What's up? Welcome to the South to Six Podcast. We are part of the stadiumscene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. And this is our third mailbag. And if I'm being honest, I don't really remember when mailbag number two was, if I had to imagine. It was probably sometime in early to mid-2019. So it's been quite a while since we've done a mailbag. And uh, I apologize for that. It's just. Things have been pretty hectic when it comes to the Toronto Raptors, and I figured, you know what, now is a better time than any other time to do a mailbag, so we might as well get that in. So here we go. We are recording this, well, I am recording this, uh, Wednesday evening, the day after the Toronto Raptors defeated the Phoenix Suns, and the day before the Toronto Raptors travel to the Bay Area to take on the Golden State Warriors. Um, so we're going to get into all your submitted um, questions for today's show. I like I said, I received quite a bit of questions on Twitter, Instagram, email, DM. The response was pretty overwhelming, so I appreciate everybody that's reached out to me. I'm gonna do my best to answer all the questions that I can. Hopefully I can get to them all. Uh but before we do in- get into that, let me get a little house cleaning out of the way. Um if you're listening to this for the first time, uh first of all, thank you very much. Thank you for stumbling upon this show. I very much appreciate it and uh I hope you enjoy it and I hope um, you subscribe to the show as well. Um, subscribe to the show, and if you haven't already, leave us a review. Seriously, that helps us out a bunch when it comes to being able to connect with fellow Raptors fans out there in the podcast sphere, people that are looking for Raptors-related content. If you leave us a review and a rating, it helps us make it helps makes us more accessible to those that are looking for Raptors content, and so. It's all about building the web, right? It's all about creating this community of of Raptors fans, of Raptors podcasters. It's all about connecting with you as the individual. So I'd appreciate it if you could take the time to do that. I'd forever be in your debt. Um, before we get into the, to the questions for today's mailbag episode, I do want to lightly touch on last night's game against Phoenix. Again, I'm recording this Wednesday evening. Um, I was able to, I wasn't able to rather catch this game live. Getting these Western Conference slash West Coast games in live is pretty difficult for me. Um, I, look, I, I, I can't stay up <laughs> until uh, midnight to watch games anymore. Those, those days are well beyond and behind me. Um, so I was able to watch this not live, but sort of like a rewatch this afternoon. Um, and there were a couple of bright spots that I want to touch on and some things that deserve our attention. Um, specifically the performances by Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, and Chris Boucher. Um, let's touch on Chris Boucher first. I don't know if you guys were able to to be on Twitter before the game, but there was a pregame media scrum, and uh, Nick Nurse was asked about whether or not he was disappointed, and I'm paraphrasing here, whether or not he was disappointed in the level of play that the bench has been um, giving within the past couple of games, the past handful of games. And I think specifically uh, Chris Boucher was mentioned. And, you know, Nick Nurse pulled no punches, man. He pretty much said that he expects better out of his bench. And if he sees that they're not performing well, he's going to call him out on it. Um, and, you know, that's 
that's fair, I think. I think when a, a player or a group of players are playing well and a coach praises them, uh, I think that, you know, if, if those same players are performing poorly, then that coach should also acknowledge that as well. And I know a lot of you right now are pulling your hair and saying, well, how does this, how come he doesn't do this with Patrick Kaw? I feel like we'll get into that in a bit, but in regards to Chris Boucher, yeah, he hasn't been playing that well. Um, you look at the Denver game, it was a very tough matchup for him. Um, he only played a little bit over eight minutes, um, and Jokic was just cooking him, right? And Chris Boucher doesn't have the frame, he doesn't have the body to really match up toe-to-toe with Jokic. And moreover, like he, I, I don't know that Chris Boucher is a true five. Right, I'm not sure that he has that sort of build and that sort of uh, pedigree to be a true five. Maybe he does in the future, but as of right now, he's he's really not. He's more of like a a stretch four, kind of like a, a semi stretch five in that aspect. But um, when you're playing against the Nuggets and you want to establish some paint presence, especially with the absence of Ibaka and Gasol, um, you want to play big. You want to play mean, and Chris Boucher just kind of got outbodied. And that was sort of to be expected, but, you know, after being called out by Nick Nurse, last night's game against the Suns, he sort of showed up. He had a little coming out party, I guess you can say. Um, He performed very well. He was very aggressive on the boards, which is something that I've been waiting to see Chris Boucher do because, quite frankly, he hasn't been the best of rebounders for this team. But last night, he racked up 15 boards with 19 points. He was a plus 13. Um, that's really, really good for Chris Boucher. He was almost 50% from deep. He was actually 40% two of five from deep, five of 12 from the field, 41% or 42 if you're rounding up. Um, I think he performed very well. He was trying to outbody his opponents, trying to draw fouls, aggressive with the putbacks, aggressive with the rebounds, and he definitely took what Nick Nurse had to say to heart, which is something that you want. You want your players to respond you want your players to answer when your coach sort of calls you out, especially to the media. It's one thing to call you out to the locker room. It's a completely other thing to call you out pretty much to the media that's going to tweet these things out. It's going to get out to the general public. So for me, seeing Chris Boucher have a bounce back game, it was, it was very, very encouraging, especially not knowing the, the health situation of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Marcus Hall probably still has a little bit of a waste a way to go. Whereas Serge Ibaka, I think there was a a tweet that came out last night. It might have been Eric Smith that said that you know Serge is feeling better. He might be able to go Thursday night against Golden State, but you know mites are very encouraging. So as of right now, Chris Boucher is the the quote unquote biggest guy on the floor. So he's going to have to play big and earn those minutes. And I think last night was a definite step in the right direction. Um, moving on, o- uh, yeah, OG Ananobi continued to play just wonderfully. Um, ever since coming out of the All-Star break, OG Ananobi has been playing pretty much lights out. Um, there was a, a decent portion of the show before the uh, All-Star break that I've been rather critical of OG Ananobi. I don't want to say... and. You know, everybody pumped the brakes on this. I never or no one ever really on the show um, wanted him to be traded. I, I don't want that to be translated to this show at all. Um, it was more so that we were just sort of um, discouraged by his performance because we knew he could be better than this. 
we knew he was a better player than this and than what he was showing rather. And uh, ever since coming out of the All Star break, it's been it's been apparent. It's been you know pretty much right in front of our faces. So you know since February twenty first. Uh, OG Ananobi, that's only six games. OG Ananobi has been averaging just about 35 and a half minutes a game, uh, just about 15 points a game, about six and a half rebounds per game, uh, shooting just about 36% from three, which is good, and 53% from the field. That's, that's really good. And uh, topped it off with about two and a half assists, 3.2 steals, and a block a game can't really ask for much more. Um, this is the OG Ananobi that we've been, you know, waiting to see sort of unlocked. Um, I know that last year was sort of uh, a whirlwind of a year for OG Ananobi and something that, you know, you really can't prepare for and anticipate. So obviously I'm willing to give him the, the most, the giant pass that he deserves on that. Um, it was probably a, a difficult situation for both physically and personally for him. So uh, you got to just give him some slack and, you know, patience paid off when it came to this. He, he came out uh, from the break and he's been playing very well. And uh, if he can keep this up and be this defensive presence that, you know, he's been advertised to be moving forward, it's going to be a very, very good playoff season for OG Ananobi. I mean, he set the franchise record, I think it was, uh, against Denver with uh, six deals. I mean, that is... That was great. That was, sorry, seven steals with 32 points, uh, seven total rebounds. That's very, very good. Um, OG Ananobi is someone that obviously the ceiling is still not even reached yet, right? We, we, still, don't, we still don't know the true potential of OG Ananobi. We see flashes of it, but I still think he can be an even better player than he's been showing us, which has been outstanding. So if OG Ananobi can sort of hold this down and continue this trend moving forward, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very 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 good future for the Toronto Raptors. He is someone that is uh, he's a very special player, and hopefully that this sort of momentum that he's on and this sort of I don't know gear that he's unlocked can be just outstanding for for the team moving forward. Um, I mentioned Norman Powell. Norman Powell ever since coming back from injury. Um, I know it's only been a handful of games, just two games, I believe. Um, he's picked up right where he's left off. Um, thankfully, if you're going to take any positive from the injury that he's had, it was on his non-dominant hand. I, I believe that's his left hand. So um, that's, that's sort of a positive in that regard, right? It's not something that's going to hinder him moving forward. It's not something that's probably going to hold him back. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that he was trying to his best to maintain game shape maintain the uh, cardiovascular strength and to to do as many drills as possible that he could with his dominant hand, which is encouraging, right? And if that was what was happening, it's paid off in spades. Um, the game against Phoenix, he had 26 points. He was a plus eight with four assists. He was two of six from three. You kind of want to see that trickle up given that, you know, Norman Powell was pretty much a bang on from beyond the arc before the injury, but still eight for 15 from the field. That's 53%. That's, I love it. Um, this is something that has been long waited for when it comes to Norman Powell. And I'm not trying to knock the guy at all. Um, but for me, Norman Powell is one of those special players that I really wish would unlock sooner, but you know, patience is a thing. So if this is something much like OG and Anobi that he can maintain and keep going, moving forward, 
then hell yeah, man. The Raptors are in really good shape for their future. I know there are a lot of question marks regarding what Fred Van Vliet's going to do in the offseason. Um, we only have a year of Kyle Lowry after this year moving forward. Serge Ibaka's not on the books. Mark Saul's not on the books. So when you look at the people that are going to still be on this roster, the OG Ananobis, the Norman Powells, the Chris Boucher's, uh, the Matt Thomases, all these players that are still going to be on this team, it's good to know that there is still a stable core among them that can you know sort of propel us moving forward or we can in fact build around um i don't really want to get into free agency right now because that we're going to touch on that when it comes to the user questions but i do think that these types of performances are um they're deserving of attention they're deserving to be talked about and uh, i have no doubt that this week's episode um the official episode coming this weekend we'll talk about them a lot more in detail um but you know Given the fact that the Raptors lost three games in a row prior to this one, um, it's really good to see them bounce back, and it's really good to see these types of players step up. Um, I cannot give enough credit to a guy like Chris Boucher um, for that performance. That, that really inspired me moving forward. It really gave me a sense of confidence within him because I, I kind of was you know, leaning towards not drinking the Kool-Aid when it came to Chris Boucher. I know a lot of guys love him out there, but... Um, I just needed to see a little bit more from him, especially off the glass. I needed to see a lot more in terms of aggression and and that 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 cleaning up the board presence. Um, he kind of lacked that, but last night, fifteen total rebounds, nine of which were defensive. Come on, man, that that is that is great, and if that's something that he can provide for the Raptors moving forward, because that's something that's been an issue right since the beginning of the season, the lack of rebounding, or rather, the disparity in rebounding. Um, a lot of that has to do with the injuries suffered by Gasol and Ibaka at various points in the season. Unfortunately, right now it's at the same time. But, you know, the Raptors have been kind of a shitty rebounding team. So any help that they can get off the boards, cleaning up boards, uh, is is very much welcome and will very much help them in, in to the playoffs. So if uh, Chris Boucher can be that guy, hell yeah, man. Let's, let's, let's see it. Let's see it on a more consistent basis, and I'll be thrilled with that moving forward. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to acknowledge last night's victory. It's no way the Raptors were going to lose four in a row. No way were they going to do it. And thankfully, they didn't. Hopefully, this puts them on a, a nice little path moving forward. Um, the Golden State game happening tomorrow night. For many of you listening, it will be tonight. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm, I'm shook by it, but I got a bad vibe about it. I don't know. It sort of gives me a trap game feel. Um, maybe that's the overhype of Steph Curry's return. Maybe that's just being overblown. I'm sure he's going to be on a minute restriction. Um, it's probably nothing to worry about, but I don't know. There's, maybe it's, I just have some sort of, I don't know, anxieties when it comes to facing the Warriors just because of what they've done in the past. But the Raptors beat them in the championship, so who the hell am I? It's basically a shittier team than the Raptors beat last year, so the Raptors should be okay. That Utah game, though, coming up, that's going to be a true test, but uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I'm going to take a real quick break right here. Um, again, I just want to acknowledge the the performances that happened last night. Um, but before I do, uh, Patrick McCaw, I know a lot of people are hating on him. I'm the first to jump down his throat. I just want to say, other than a couple of blow-bys last night, he really wasn't that bad. Um, he wasn't great. He wasn't starter-worthy. He wasn't this world-beater, but he wasn't that bad. He did basically did nothing <laughs> he was basically a net neutral last night against phoenix um i'll get into more detail about this um this coming weekend 
with Marshall Vick. That's uh, the upcoming episode. But I just kind of calmed down on McCaw's performance last night. It really wasn't too bad. But all right, uh, with that, we'll take our first break. And when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll get into your, uh, your Twitter questions. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, here we go. Let's get into these Twitter questions real quick. Um, the first one comes, I'm going to answer the first one from Jade Johnson. Um, first of all, if you're, obviously you're listening to this, you're a Raptors fan, highly encourage you uh, you follow Jade Johnson on Twitter. Um, at Auxiliary Things, um, that's at A-U-X-I-L-I-A-R-Y-T-H-I-N-G-S. She'll be joining the show later this month, but seriously, she's very, very knowledgeable when it comes to both basketball and the Toronto Raptors, actually both intertwined. So highly, highly, highly recommend you guys follow her. But she asks, other than the DeRozan trade, what is the move that Ujiri made that moved the Raptors most towards the championship? Um, This is interesting because, you know, obviously people are going to point to the Kawhi Leonard trade because if it wasn't for Kawhi Leonard, the Raptors probably wouldn't be in position to go for the championship at all. But um, I guess the move that you can point to is the Gasol trade, um, if it's not going to be the Kawhi Leonard trade. Um, you know, a lot of people love JV, and that was uh, probably a trade that was hard to swallow for a lot of Raptors faithful. But Marc Gasol joining this team pretty much opened up the offense for them, right? JV, as good as he was on the boards, really didn't stretch the floor that much. He was that sort of stereotypical center um, that, that's, I don't want to say he was antiquated because he is playing pretty lights out right now for Memphis, but... In terms of the current structure of the NBA, it's sort of like a dying art being that uh, shutdown big man uh, in your starting lineup. Um, there's certainly room for it, but they're few and far between right now. Um, Marcus Hall coming into this team opened up the floor and pretty much opened up the entire offense uh, for the Raptors. It, it made the team second guess the spacing of the floor um, and the passing that Marcus Hall provided for this team did wonders for the Raptors in the playoffs. Um, and this isn't even touching on how he performed against Philadelphia, against Joel Embiid, um, how he established himself as this defensive presence um, for the Raptors that I don't think JV would have been able to do. So Marcus Hall was a huge part of why the Raptors won the championship, in my opinion, if we're not going to point to uh, Kawhi Leonard exclusively. Um, that addition was huge. And for me, that was probably the best move that the Raptors made at that trade deadline in hindsight, because like, I, I mean, I was hoping that they were going to get some spot shooting, but you know, Marcus Hall has always sort of been on the radar for the Raptors here and there. And it was cool to finally see the trigger being pulled. So giving up a DeLon Wright and a Jonas Valanciunas, in terms of my loyalty to the Raptors, you never like to see these players go, especially homegrown talent. but to receive a defensive presence, a rebounding presence, a passing presence, and a shooting presence like Marcus Gasol, all that wrapped up into one at the time, it, was, uh, it, it helped the Raptors out a bunch. So if I'm not going to point to Kawhi Leonard, I, I think I'm going to go with the, the Marcus Gasol trade. All right, our next question comes from Matt uh, on Twitter. He, this is pretty much a two-part question. He wanted to take away uh, the first question, but I told him I'd answer it a little bit more in detail because it was touched on the previous South of the Six podcast episode, but we'll get into the first question. Uh, Serge has been playing out of his mind. He's arguably uh, playing some of the best basketball of his career, 
He's literally had a resurgence. Eh? Eh? Get it? I'm awful. Uh, do you think the Raptors will be able to re-sign him or will they let him walk? Um, I mentioned this on the previous show. I'll get into a little bit more detail, as I said. Um, if guys like Serge Ibaka, who has been having an incredible year, minus the injuries, uh, Marcus Saul want to come back to the Raptors, in no way am I giving them more than a one-year deal. It's just not happening. Um, they've been excellent contributors to the team, as I just went on a spree about Marcus Saul. Um, Serge Ibaka, as I said, has had a fantastic year. He's been playing sort of out of his mind, especially with the chemistry him and Kyle Lowry has established. Um, I love them on this team, but unfortunately, they are sort of aging assets, Marcus All especially. Um, Marcus All missed a bunch of time this year, and I don't know if that has to do with the wear and tear of his body. I don't know what that has to do with the amount of basketball that he's played since the beginning of 2018 going into this season with the, uh, with the tournament over the summer and all. Um, I, I just, for me, I'm not confident in giving these guys more than a one-year deal. That's just on the, you know, the face value. This doesn't even touch on that 2021 class of free agents that I'm sure the Raptors want to have the books for. You know, you want to be able to have this pipe dream of Giannis Antetokounmpo to be a Toronto Raptor, and if Masai Ujiri is going to make a legitimate run for him, he needs to have the funds available to do so. And I don't necessarily believe that MLSC is going to want to go that far into the tax. Um, I'm sure there aren't going to be these like mega offers for specifically Marcus Gasol. Even though I just sung his praises, I don't know that a lot of teams view him as a long-term asset. So if the Raptors are willing to give him and Serge a one-year deal sort of at a hometown discount, I have no problem with that. Like, I have absolutely no problem with them coming back for the 2020-2021 season sort of on the cheap. I don't want to make any commitments to players other than Fred Van Vliet far into 2021. I know there are going to be, you know, free agent situations when it comes to OG and Anobi. I'm sure Nolan Powell's contract, I think that runs up at that time as well. There's going to be a whole bunch of question marks. This team may, in fact, look radically different for the 2021 season. I don't know. Kyle Lowry's going to be off the books. Like, it's going to be a lot of space available at the time, but you want to be able to have that space available to give a max contract to a game-changer like a Giannis if the Raptors are able to, you know, sort of lure him away from Milwaukee, which I do think the most likely situation, I've said this on the show, I do think the most likely situation is that Giannis Antetokounmpo stays in Milwaukee. But in the off chance, that he does want to move on and explore free agency, I do think Toronto is at the top of the list in terms of destinations for him. So that being said, you want to have that cap available for you. You want to have um, money available and term available so that you can sign this guy or sign a player like him because if you're able to, that sort of propels the, the success timeline moving forward even more. So for me, Mark Saul, Serge Ibaka, these kind of players that are going to be available, minus Fred Van Vliet, I'm not willing to give them anything more than a one-year deal. That's just me. All right, the second question from Matt, um, you know, sort of touched on what I just said about that 2021 class. He wants to know, other than Giannis, who would you like to see the Raptors pursue in 2021? So I assume the question is, you know, if the Raptors aren't able to scoop up Giannis and he does stay in Milwaukee or go elsewhere, is there any other player that you would like the Raptors to have? Um, so this 2021 class is sort of stacked 
You have Chris Paul, LeBron. This is from Spot Track, by the way. You have Chris Paul, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Blake Griffin, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Mike Connolly, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Otto Porter Jr., Drew Holiday. The list goes on. Uh, Rudy Gobert, Andre Drummond. There's a lot of players in here that I don't want anything to do with. I don't want anything to do with Chris Paul at that time. I don't want anything to do with Blake Griffin. Don't want anything to do with Gordon Hayward. Um, kind of don't really want anything to do with DeMar DeRozan, Otto Porter Jr. I don't really want anything to do with them. Steven Adams, no thank you. Um, but obviously, if the if the Raptors can't get a Giannis, um, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. <laughs> Is Kawhi Leonard a bad answer? Because you know I would love to see sort of a. A rekindling of that relationship that'd be really fun um obviously i don't anticipate that happening i i think he wants you know given that he's so comfortable in the uh the la lifestyle and you know being close to home and his family all these reasons that he gave besides you know playing with paul george all these reasons that he gave um to go to la i just don't see a, a you know a reconnection with him in toronto as something that's even remotely possible so if we're going to put him off the table, obviously LeBron James is probably off the table as well. Um, I don't know. It, it, it kind of wears thin at that point. LaMarcus Aldridge would be kind of a good pickup, especially if um, Marcus Hall and Serge Ibaka are no longer on this team. Um, but he's going to be 36 at that time. So it's <laughs> kind of a, someone that I kind of want to stay away from as well. Um, Drew Holiday would be kind of neat. But he'll be 31 at the time, and you know he might exercise that player option that he has at that at 2021. So, you know, I I don't see that happening. Uh, Victor Oladipo is a free agent. I would love to see him on the team, especially if he can get healthy again. And um, you know, there's there's no signs of of uh, repercussions from the injury. That'd be really fun. Um. Other than that, like there, there aren't a lot of big names that I'm really excited about. So um, <clears throat> we're kind of throwing our chips in the basket when it comes to Giannis and sort of hoping that's going to come into fruition. But otherwise, there, there, there are options, don't get me wrong, and I do trust the Raptors' uh, developmental um, team and developmental um, staff here. So even if they aren't able to grab a big-name free agents, I'm, I'm sure there are players that are in our system Dwan Hernandez, for instance, that we sort of are relatively unaware of that are, could be impactful moving forward. So I'm not too worried about the future necessarily, but, um, you know, it, it would be nice to pick up one of these free agents. So other than Giannis, the, it kind of wears thin for me, especially when it comes to how I feel like Masai wants to construct this roster. But I have all the faith in the world that he'll be able to maintain a, a decent level of success and to make them at least playoff relevant. I know that's probably a, a shitty answer and kind of a cop-out, but um, it just seems to me that the Raptors are putting all their chips in the basket when it comes to Giannis. So uh, I don't want to say Giannis or a bust, but in terms of big impact free agents, it's kind of Giannis or a bust. But uh, those two questions come from Matt. Uh, I highly suggest that you uh, you follow him. You can find him on Twitter at Swanger Danger. At, that's at S-W-A-I-N-G-E-R underscore danger, D-A-N-G-E-R. Follow him. He'll, uh, he'll talk Raptors with you for sure. So sort of on the same lines of Matt's questions, this one comes from Raptor fan. Uh, very good follow. Uh, I appreciate the support that he has given me all through the years with the podcast, so I'm happy to answer the question. Um, 
question is, assuming we don't repeat and Giannis re-signs with the Bucks, what move should Masai make in the offseason? Um, it sort of piggybacks on the previous two questions, but I get that you know the future of this team is something that uh, a lot of fans are interested in, so I have no problem getting into more and more detail about it. Um, so I assume that he means in 2021, if, if he's not talking about this offseason, um, I can sort of break down both. What I anticipate the Raptors to do in, within this offseason is do their best to keep the band together and try to run it back one more year. Other than Fred Van Vliet, who I am totally in favor of giving a four-year deal to, say. Um, I'm not afraid to sort of, quote-unquote, break the bank when it comes to Fred Van Vliet. Um, you know, there, that being said, there aren't really a lot of options for him outside of Toronto. Um, I'm sure he doesn't want to go into a rebuilding franchise like Detroit, but if he's, you know, all about the money, maybe that's where he'll go. But um, I am willing to offer a pretty substantial contract to Fred Van Vliet, but, you know, you'll have Kyle Lowry for one more year, so that's something that Fred Van Vliet's going to have to balance in terms of, you know, his future and what he wants in terms of being an NBA starter um, or not. Or maybe he still can share the floor with Kyle Lowry, depending on what other roster moves they make. But like I said, I, I, if I'm going to keep Gasol and Ibaka running back for one more year, um, otherwise it's just kind of bench fodder at that point. I, I don't see the need to sort of dig in and, and try to go for broke with other uh, free agents in the 2020 season. Um, there's not really a lot there that gives me any sort of um, optimism that it will improve the, the Toronto Raptors exponentially. Um, you know, you have players like Gordon Hayward. He has a player option. Um, DeRozan has a player option. Uh, Drummond has a player option. Anthony Davis has a player option. Um, you know, Batum has a player option. Um, Gallinari is available, who's, you know, sort of fun, I guess. But uh, Bismack is going to be a free agent. That'd be something that we can explore. Uh, Kent Bazemore, I guess, is an option for you if you, if you want some spot shooting. Um, otherwise, like, there's, there's really not a lot there that gives me any sense of, like, you know, confidence that they'll, they'll really turn the tide if things go bad. So um, I, my best bet is that Masai tries to run it back with what we're seeing right now for one more year and to extend one-year contracts to Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Um, I anticipate that, uh, you know, that it's not the sexiest of things. Like, you, you, you would like to see a revamp franchise or a revamp team here and there. Um, in terms of roster construction, especially if they get eliminated relatively early in the playoffs. I don't anticipate that, but anything's possible with this team. We saw them lose in the second round quite a bit of time, so, and the first time round quite a bit of time. So it, it depends on what happens in the playoffs and how pissed off Masai Uchiri gets and how anxious he is to make changes. But um, in terms of this offseason, I don't necessarily see anything that's going to substantially move the needle. Uh, the 2021 class, as I mentioned, like assuming players like Anthony Davis doesn't pick up his player, uh, does pick up his player option this year. I don't think that he will, but if he does, on the off chance that he does, and he's a free agent the following year, it's you know, there are a plethora of options, many of them unavailable to the Raptors, but the options there for sort of uh, fillers are a lot more robust than the 2020 options. So, um. A lot, like I said, a lot of this hinges on Giannis. If Giannis doesn't sign with the Raptors, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting situation, and I'm kind of, you know, excited to see 
what Masai does or have up his sleeve. Because like we focus so much on the free agent class, we don't talk about trades. Like Masai Ujiri is really good at trading. And who knows what he'll, he'll have available for other teams to really exponentially increase the team that we have. Like everything's on the table if Giannis doesn't come to Toronto. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But uh, in terms of mega moves in the 2020 offseason, don't really see it happening. 2021 is when it's going to get interesting, though. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. The next one comes from Jessica Jade on Twitter. Um, in all capital letters, mind you, um, is this team ever going to be healthy? <laughs> Do you think they're playing it uber safe in the way of load managing wear and tear injuries that occurred to me today? Maybe this is a strategy. I'm just hoping with all, uh, with all my might that come April, we have everyone at full strength. Um, I don't think it's a load management thing. It might be for Marcus Hall. Um, there was a report, I think a week ago, um, that he said he was 100% healthy, but he's resting it. I, I don't know. I don't, it was very confusing because last night there was also a report that he's saying he's almost there at full strength. So it's sort of like, you know, contradiction in terms of reporting. But um, I don't think this team is about load managing, right? I, th- I think Kyle Lowry made that clear that there isn't going to be any sort of sense of load managing. There's not going to be any rest to those that don't really need it. We're going to play. And, you know, you have players like Serge Ibaka, who's a grinder, Fred Van Vliet, who's a grinder. I think that if they were able to play, they would. They don't strike me as players that are going to um, just rest for the sake of load managing. I think they want to keep the chemistry alive. I think they want to maintain game shape. And I think they just... They want to be on the floor. They don't want to mess up chemistry. So, you know, if given the opportunity, if, if, you know, Nick Nurse is like, hey, anybody want to rest? I don't really see a lot of people raising their hands. Maybe Marcus Hall because of the age and the wear and tear and how, as I mentioned before, he's pretty much played all summer long up until the season. So his body may need it. Um, but otherwise, I just don't see any players being willing to do it, especially when you have players nipping at their heels like a Terrence Davis. And uh, I guess Pat McCall, if you ask Nick Nurse, or uh, or Matt Thomas, or Rondé Hollis-Jefferson when he's playing well. Um, you know, these types of players are hungry for minutes, and they'll take them any way they can. Chris Boucher, like we just talked about him earlier in the podcast. These players are hungry for minutes, and if they get the opportunity, they might seize it. And so it, there's, there's a healthy balance. So yes, I do think the team will eventually get healthy. Yes, I do think there is, you know, that being said, what I said about a lack of load managing, I do think that the playoffs are priority number one. And being healthy for the playoffs comes at a premium. So if it means, you know, making sure the injury is 100% healed rather than 90% healed before they get on the floor, so be it. I'll take it. I'm fine with it. But yes, I don't, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I think this team is just going to be just fine heading into the playoffs. All right, we still got more Twitter questions to go and a couple more other questions from Instagram and email, but uh, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll get back on it. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, uh, this one comes from Jordan at 416 Basketball. He's a regular on the show. If you're not following Jordan, I don't know what you're doing because uh, he's he's a very knowledgeable Raptors follow and he's uh I don't know I think he's low key funny too but uh Jordan asks so now that we know Rudy Gobert is coming to the Raptors in 2021 
does that mean that the pursuit of Giannis is over? Well, obviously, right? Obviously, Rudy Gobert is coming to the Raptors in 2021. So why the fuck would we even go to Giannis at this point? Um, look, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the Raptors even pursuing both. Like, I, there's a scenario in which you can conceive that the Raptors could get both. I mean, it's unlikely, but... I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I mean, he's going to be 29 at the time. Why not? Why not try to get it? Um, I, I'm cool with it. Uh, chances are, you know, Utah might shell out a, a decent-sized bag, but if he doesn't, if they don't, rather, why not? I mean, like, he's probably going to be in line for a max, so it's probably not going to happen. Like, all kidding aside, it's probably not going to happen. But um, it's not the worst of consolation prizes, especially if Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka aren't on the team. Uh, you need kind of a center to to hold down the fort. Um, who knows if Chris Boucher is going to be ready to be that guy? And if he's not, why the hell not? So at that point, sure, let's let's go for Rudy Gobert. Why not? All right, this is a, a funny one coming from That's a Rap Pod. Um, at That's a Rap Pod. If you guys aren't listening to that podcast, highly recommend you do so. Um, it's constantly in my rotation uh, in my podcast feed when it comes to the Toronto Raptors, and they cover a lot of NBA stuff too. Um, those guys are super enjoyable to, to listen to and, uh, highly recommend you guys subscribe to that show. But, uh, this is sort of a funny one. So, uh, since Giannis, is, this is a wrestling related question. Uh, since Giannis's finishing move is the Cobra, what would Siakam's finishing move be? Suggestions. The sprint runs at you full speed, screaming at a high pitch. The spin move picks up player and keeps spinning in the spice, throwing a handful of paprika at a face when the ref's not looking. I never understood that. Like, how do wrestlers get away with uh, spitting weird substances into their opponent's face or throwing something in their face? And the refs like turns around, and like, what happened? I guess I'll just make the count. Like, do you not see this stuff on this guy's face? Are you not concerned with this guy's general health at the moment? Like, he might have acid in his face. We don't know. I'm getting off. Of course, I digress. But um, that's a good one. I think the spin move. The the picks uh, picks up the the player and keeps spinning. I think that that's it because you know he's known for his spin move and there. I think it was uh, Cesaro who picked up his uh, his opponent by the legs and just spun around uh, a bunch of times. So you know something like that would be really cool. I think Pascal Siakam would nail it, and uh, I don't think he'd he'd be world champion status. Don't get me wrong, he's not he's not doing that to Brock Lesnar by any means. Um, but he, he could definitely be intercontinental champion, which is, you know, almost meaningless in the WWE now. I don't necessarily watch it, but from what I'm told, titles don't mean jack shit anymore. So maybe Pascal Siakam can spin his way to become second tier in the WWE and pick up the intercontinental title. There are, uh, a lot of worse titles that you can pick up, I guess, but, uh, I'm going with the spin. He picks up his opponent and just spins them to death until he throws up and taps out. That's what I'm going with. So uh, I think that'd be perfect. And imagine him doing that to Giannis. He'd need like the entire ring because Giannis is so long. It would, I, don't, I don't know that it would work. Maybe Giannis would beat him with the Cobra. What a world. All right, this next one comes from Connor Chambers, Toronto Sports Views. Again, I, say, I feel like I say this with every question, but it, it's all valid. Um... If you don't follow follow Connor Chambers on Toronto Sports Views or the TSV podcast, I highly recommend you doing so. Connor comes on the show often, and uh, he always brings the energy, man. So follow Connor uh, at T-O underscore sports 
views. Uh, Connor wants to know, what have you been impressed with more? OG's play since the All-Star break or Norm's ability to pick up right where he left off after injury? Um, I got to say, well, that's a tough one. Because when it comes to Norman Powell, we were generally concerned when it came to consistency because that was the biggest issue that we had with Norman Powell in previous years. Um, his consistency was never really um, there. It, it, it was always, you know, he'd have a really masterful game and then he'd sort of drop off hill. Um, OG Ananobi, given the circumstances of last year, like I said, I was willing to give him a, a decent amount of rope. So seeing him finally, you know, surge into the right direction, pretty much El Fuego, um, I guess that impresses me more because I've seen it from Norman Powell in spurts already this year. Um, and there was a period of time where I think it was his shoulder. He had an injury to his shoulder. Um, he came back and picked up right where he left off before. So I kind of didn't have any doubt that he'd do it again here, especially as I already mentioned, it was his non-dominant hand. So I expected him to play at the same type of level. But with OG and Anobi coming out of the All-Star break, especially given the fact that the Raptors lost three in a row, OG and Anobi was a huge bright spot for that. And... You know, it seems like ever since the scarf thing, he's been playing very well. I know I I highlighted since the All-Star break, but, you know, I guess bef- even a little bit before that, he's been playing very well and sort of unlocked and unhinged. So, uh, yeah, you got to give it to OG. I'm going to say OG. I've been way more impressed with OG because, you know, defense for this team, um, you know, Nick Nurse has emphasized it's been coming at a premium. So, um yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, OG Ananobi has been more impressive for me, so I'm going to stick with that. Um, this next one comes from Obsession Much. She has been a diehard supporter of this show, and I am infinitely appreciative of you know all the kind words that she has said about the show, so um, it's my pleasure to answer this question. Um, it should be noted that this was asked before the Phoenix Suns game, so Pascal is currently in a slump, or he was in a slump, due to growing pains uh, where he needs to learn to figure out his best role in every possession. Uh, similar, we saw, in a similar way, we saw Giannis last year. Do you think Siakam will be able to figure most of it by the beginning of the playoffs, or are we setting ourselves up for unrealistic expectations? Um, so my biggest criticism of Pascal Siakam is that I don't necessarily trust that he can close out games. Um, there have been a handful of times where he's had the opportunity. He sort of, I don't want to say like threw up all over himself, but it didn't really make me confident that he's going to be able to do that moving forward. Um, for me, I need to see him be able to just like shut down defenders and uh, just put a nail in the coffin when it comes to the game. Um, you know, in fairness, he has done that at certain points in this season, so I'm not going to knock the guy too much, but. There's just some an element in his game right now, at least, that is just not necessarily there in terms of closing. Um, do I think that he's going to get there? Absolutely. Do I think that he's going to be the sort of like top superstar in the Houston Conference? I can totally see that if he's not there already. But in terms of being a killer or a closer, I'm just not seeing it yet. Um, and that's something that's going to be crucial for the Raptors in the playoffs. Now. Maybe Kyle Lowry can be that guy. Maybe Fred Van Vliet can be that guy again into this playoffs. Um, if that's the case, we don't necessarily need Pascal to be that guy. But when you're a max player contract this season, or actually it's going to be that starting next season, but when you get that sort of extension, um, 
the expectations are sort of there, right? You sort of want to see uh, a guy that's been granted uh, that type of an extension. Um, you want to see that killer instinct. You want to see that closer aspect. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that in the playoffs, it's going to be a true test for Pascal Siakam. I don't think we're going to be disappointed. I don't want to like, go that far. I don't think we're going to be setting ourselves up for you know failure in terms of our expectations. But I do think there's going to be an adjustment period. I do think right now without Kawhi Leonard on the team, um, there's going to be a very heavy load when it comes to Pascal Siakam. Like a lot of people were ripping him after the Denver game. And I get it, but you know he was asked to play like five different positions at once. Like we didn't have Serge, we didn't have uh, Gasol. And he was pretty much like, there was a point where he was playing center minutes. There was a point where he was, you know, bringing up the ball. He was playing practically every position. It's exhausting. So I, I am willing to give him some slack and I don't think it's a fair barometer right now to, to sort of judge him based on these past couple of games because the squad isn't fully healthy. If we have a fully healthy squad and he's still having these growing pains, then I'd be a little bit more concerned. But I am willing to give him a little bit more slack right now because I do think, like, given the circumstances of the team, uh, he's carrying a, a pretty heavy load. So um, come playoff time, it's going to be a true test. But I don't think we're setting ourselves up for failure in terms of expectations by any means. I think, I think we're going to be okay. All right, this last one comes from Peter. HBK of Life and Repeat. If you haven't listened to the most recent South to Six podcast, it was a very special one. Um, I met Peter face to face. It was the first face to face sit down podcast I have ever done throughout the three years doing the show. So uh, it was a pleasure to meet Peter and his wife. Um, seriously, one of the most hardworking and dedicated Raptors fans that I know. So uh, follow at Life in Repeat. So he says, and this pretty much piggybacks off the previous question. What is your realistic expectation of this team in the playoffs? What is the minimum they would need to accomplish in the postseason for the season to be considered a success? Also, I assume you know to hit my music after you read this question. So, Peter, it is my pleasure to play your theme music. Uh, Peter HBK, everyone. Um, so for me... The minimum requirement that the Raptors are going to need to make this playoff uh, to be considered a success. So I think he means in terms of the season. Um, I think the Eastern Conference Finals, right? I, th- I think they have to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, if it's set up that the first game, or the first series rather, is against Brooklyn, given that Kyrie's done for the year and there's really no expectations that Kevin Durant is going to play. Um, I know Dinwiddie's been playing very well. Um, Levert just had a monster game against Boston. Um, I still think the Raptors are a better team, so they shouldn't have a problem getting out of round one. Um, But if they face the Celtics round two and they lose, I would consider this to be a disappointment and almost a failure. That's me personally. I just do not want to see the Raptors lose to the Celtics by any means. Um, But I, I do think that even if they do lose, the Eastern Conference, say, the Eastern Conference Finals, rather, say, to the Bucks, I wouldn't at all consider this season uh, a failure because, you know, typically the team with the best player wins that series, and I don't know that anybody on the Raptors is better than Giannis, and I don't think anybody in the East is better than Giannis. Um, maybe teams like the Miami Heat will give them some problems, but I don't see them eliminating the Bucks by any means. Um, they tend to turn it on 
into a high gear, especially that crowd tends to go nuts in the playoffs. So um, I'm going to lean towards the Bucks taking it, but I, I fully anticipate the Raptors meeting them in the Eastern Conference Finals and making it interesting. So hopefully that, um, that happens, because if it doesn't, I think we're going to have a lot of disappointing Raptors fans, because you know this is two seasons ago, uh, we got eliminated in the second round by, you know, by Cleveland. Can't have that again. And I don't, I don't necessarily see the Raptors getting swept by, Mo, by the Boston Celtics, say, in the second round. But, you know, just seeing the defending NBA champions get booted out in the second round, I don't know, man. That leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I can hear the American media, you know, sort of talk that up and emphasize how much of a failure the Raptors team is. And I just don't have any time for that. So, for me, they got to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, um, you know, given that this team has been, you know, succeeding despite all the odds, despite all the, the shit that's been, throwing, been thrown at them in terms of injuries, I think they're going to be just fine. And I think if I were a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was, um, I do anticipate them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. All right, we'll take one more break. And when we come back, uh, I'll answer a couple Instagram questions. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them, but I'll, I'll answer a few. Hang tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, I got quite a few questions submitted to me on Instagram. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. I'm trying to keep this under an hour, but I'll do my best to sort of rapid fire through them. Uh, this one comes from Chris. Um, given the fact that Kyle Lowry held out low-key, he said held out, um, on the Raptors for a contract extension this past offseason. Do you anticipate this being an issue heading into this offseason? Um, I don't. I don't think this is going to be an issue because I think, that, you know, given the fact that Masai wants to keep cap space open in terms of having that ready for 2021, as we have already covered, um, I think if Kyle Lowry does that again, I think Masai is going to tell him to kick rocks and to uh, do what he has to do. I, I don't anticipate this being an issue. Um, Kyle Lowry got a pretty good contract for the 2020-2021 season. So uh, I don't anticipate this being an issue. And if he wants to make it an issue, then whatever. I'm sure Masai Ujiri will deal with it appropriately. Um, <clears throat> this one comes from Jason. Do you think that we've seen enough from Chris Boucher to be confident in him as a starting center starting next season? Um, as I mentioned, he's had a, a great bounce back game against Phoenix after being called out by Nick Nurse. Um, but I don't necessarily have the confidence in him being a regular starting center quite yet. In fact, like I said, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that he's a, a bona fide setter as it is. He might, you know, just be a, a decent piece off the bench. I'm not sure. Um, but having said that, I'm, we'll see. I, I do think he's going to be a contributor moving forward. I do think that he can, you know, offer something. For this team, I, I I do, but in terms of being a starter, that might be a little much. I, I'm not, I can't quite get there quite yet. Um, I would like to be pleasantly surprised. I would like for, uh, him to be a, a lockdown presence for this team, but I'm I just can't quite get there quite yet. So, uh, we'll see. Um, moving on, this one comes from Jim. Uh, do you think Norman Powell has turned the corner and the consistency won't be an issue moving forward? Uh, I certainly hope so. <laughs> I hope Norman Powell can provide some stability for this team moving forward, especially given the fact that he's one of the mainstays 
at least for the next year um, for this team. I, I, I think that, you know, if, if he can provide this sort of presence moving forward as a starter, um, then the Raptors are in good shape. And I, I think that, you know, having him sort of being unlocked, I, I think it's going to be just fine. Um, yeah, so I, I, I do believe that the consistency issues are behind him and hopefully knock on desk that they are. Uh, this one comes from David. Um, do you anticipate any substantial buyout candidates for the Raptors moving forward? Uh, Bismack Biombo was the one that was on my list, but apparently there was a report issued earlier uh, this week saying that he declined a buyout. Like he wants to stay with the burning fire that is the Charlotte Hornets and he wants to find a way to fix it up. So give credit to him, man. Give credit to, for his loyalty. That's, that's definitely well-deserved, but um, he was the guy that I thought would be a, a decent fit to come back to the Raptors. The rebounding issues were a thing. So I think Bismack Biombo was a great presence for this team during that Eastern Conference Finals run uh, in the 2015-16 season. So that would have been fun to see him come back. But otherwise, I, I don't really see anyone here that will contribute. Like, buyout candidates don't really contribute in the playoffs. They don't really provide much uh, for the team. Like, look at Jeremy Lin. Like, he was next to nothing for the Raptors in the playoffs. So, um, no, I don't anticipate the Raptors exploring the buyout market. Well, they'll probably explore it, but I don't necessarily think that they're going to sign anyone. I, I, I don't see that happening. So don't get your hopes up. Um, this next one comes from Sean. Do you anticipate that the Bucks will be the inevitable team to knock off the Raptors? Um, like I said, if the Raptors and the Bucks are going to face in the Eastern Conference Finals, I do give the edge to Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is destined to go to the Finals. That's no disrespect to the Raptors. That doesn't mean I don't believe in them as a team. I'm just trying to look at this realistically. I think that the Raptors, uh, compared to the Bucks, I'm sure that I'll give the Raptors the depth edge, right? They have a good amount of depth, and I think it's better depth than the Bucks because when Giannis isn't on the floor, the team kind of falls apart. But like I said, the, my rule of thumb is if you have the best player on the team, on both teams, on yours, you should win. Like, think about the teams that have won the, the past couple of years to, to eliminate the Raptors, right? Like, the, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? LeBron was obviously the best player on the floor. His team won both times, three times, right? His team is going to have the edge and... Much like that, Giannis, I feel, is the best player in the Eastern Conference. That being said, he's going to have the edge. He's going. That team's probably going to beat the Raptors. Um, I don't know. They, the Raptors' outside shooting has to be on point in order for them to beat the Bucks because they just clog up the inside and don't allow anything. So if the Raptors have four amazing three-point games and are somehow able to eliminate the Bucks, cool. Like, that maybe, but the chances of that happening are kind of low. But, all right, well, that's going to do it for today's uh, mailbag. I didn't necessarily get to any, all of them, but I'll save that for a future one. Uh, apologies to those that sent questions. I didn't have, really have the time to um, send them. I was trying to keep this under an hour, under 50 minutes, rather. So um, well, I'll get to them in the mailbag number four. But thank you all so much for sending your questions. Again, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And if you can leave us five stars and a quick review on Apple Podcasts, seriously, guys, that helps out a bunch. Uh, I want to take this time to say that we are we have a full jam-packed month of March coming your way. We got a lot of great guests coming up, and uh, I couldn't be more excited for that. So you can check out the lineup on Twitter 
Uh, I have an image posted on there that gives the complete rundown of what's going to be expected for the month of March. But having said that, thank you for your questions. Thank you for listening. And uh, go Raptors. We'll see you guys this weekend for uh, the next episode of the South Six Podcast. Peace. for listening to the south of the six podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at south of the six and subscribe to our show we're on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher spotify yeah we're everywhere while you're at it if you liked what you heard do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review we appreciate it thanks again go raptors